At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Online, good to see you, uh, maybe vice versa. I'm so happy that we're here today. Um, I think for me, two big points this morning that I want to get into before we start our message, um, and as I'm honored to bring you God's word, is that one, we understand that we are the body. We are the church. We are the family. God's object, his, the, the object of his love, of his unconditional, overwhelming love is not the building. It's not what the building is founded on. It's you and I. If we have a relationship with God through Jesus, we are the object of his love. And I think that's so strong for us to understand as we've been going through John and we've been understanding God's love, we are the object of that love. Um, number two, as we're working through this, uh, we're working through the differences. Now, John in the book of John is transitioning from a, a head knowledge of what God's love is, what is it done for us, and now John's transitioning to a, an experiential knowledge of God's love. He finds it very important that you and I know and understand and experience God's love in our hearts and in our lives. And so today we're going to look through three uh, ways that John points us to this. And I don't know, when I was studying for this, this message, the title of the message was, What's Love Got to Do With It? Yep, I went there too. I, I exactly went there too. I immediately broke out into a Tina Turner rendition. You know, I won't do that today, but I definitely did when I saw it. And uh, I've been looking for the, the quote that I heard, uh, um, this, the, this Christian speaker, and I cannot find it. Uh, it's probably many people have said this, but a speaker that I know answered Tina's question, what's love got to do with it? And he said, everything. It has everything to do with it. God's love in your life has everything to do with how we live out our faith in our lives. And so today we're going to look at how that's important, why that's important, and how we can experience that. Now, our big idea today is to believe in Christ is to know God's love. John said, overall, in order for us to have an experiential knowledge of God's love, we have to know Jesus. The big idea is if we know Christ, we can believe in God's love. That's easy to say. It's easy to say, yeah, I, okay, I believe in Jesus, and, and, and I do love God, and I do believe God loves me. And it might be easier for us to say that when everything is going well. But so many times there are tensions in our lives hardships in our lives, valleys in our lives, that it does not feel like there is a God and that that God loves us. The enemy is attacking us in that way. And so John wants you to be able to go from knowing God's love and experiencing that, God, that love inside of you to help combat against the enemy's attacks that God's love is not real. As we're looking through this, and we've seen in the, in, in the past few weeks, especially last week, verses 7 to 12, 
John was very pointed in transitioning from our head knowledge to our experiential knowledge. And that works at the start by believing that Christ is, uh, believe, to believe that Christ is to know God's love. The first point that John takes us through is in 1 John 4, chapter, or verses 13. And the, and the first point for him is know God's love in us. The first point, to experience God's love, to understand God's love in our lives, to go from our head to everything that we are, is to know that God's love is in us. Let's read this, uh, 1 John 4, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. All right, 10 cent prize for anyone who can call out one of the major key words in this passage. There's probably a lot of key words, but there was one that I said probably five or six times. Shout it out if you heard it. Go. Yeah, okay, what'd you say? Love. love, and then love, because of love, that word abide. We abide in his love. Thank you for those that shouted it out. Abiding, the, the idea of abiding to know that God's love is in us is rooted in this idea. Now, I looked it up. Abiding means um, to be present or to dwell it means to stay still. In this, you saw it go two ways. In this passage, God said he abides in us through the spirit and we abide in him through love. It's an amazing teaching in scripture and it, and it calls it out in this, in this particular paragraph. It's called mutual indwelling. That because of Jesus and his sacrifice and his love for us, we can abide with God and God abides in us. Jesus taught this as well. Back in, in, in the gospel of John, um, chapter, or chapter 14, verses 16, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. That is mind-blowing because what happens is our creator, ruler, king, God overall is no longer way far away up there. If we are to believe that scripture is true, he is now living here with us if we have a relationship with him through Jesus. The same God that had to put, I, I'm pretty sure it was Moses. I meant to look this up. I think he put Moses in the rocks, in the crevice. Call out if it's wrong. He put him in the crevice and he walked past him and he took his hand away from him just so he could see his back because his glory was too great. He was too big. He was too powerful. It would have destroyed Moses right then and there. That same power is with us today in spirit and in truth. And if we have a relationship with God through Jesus, he is living inside of us. 
I like to be able to wrap my head around truths, especially truths that seem super, super big. And so for me, as I was thinking about this idea of abiding, the clearest picture for me as a parent, as a dad. Growing up, my dad, he would pray every night and he was deaf, so I took advantage of that. Sometimes it wasn't good. This time it was, it was really good. Uh, I would take advantage of the fact that he would go to sleep and he couldn't hear. And so I could get into that room and snuggle right up next to his bed. He didn't feel me, didn't know I was there. And every single night he would pray. 45 minutes, he's talking to his father. And he showed me how I can abide and be still and dwell and chill out for two seconds and listen to the God of the universe speak into my life. And it felt so good. A few years later, uh, many, many years later, it took me a while to get on the bandwagon, um, I have two sons. One's a seven-year-old. And I try every night, every single night, to get into bed with him and to just hold him. And we're sitting there, laying there. And we pray and we talk and we talk about the day. And then there's a moment in space, a moment in time where he's falling asleep, I'm falling asleep, and we're just laying there. We're still, we're silent, we're dwelling. We're there together. Now, before you think I'm the best father in the world, <laughs> most of the time, a lot of the times, we're still and we're quiet because I've had to apologize to him for not showing him God's love, for yelling at him, for being angry in that day, you know, whatever. But that's the beauty of love, that there's forgiveness in that. And we can be there and we can abide with each other and we can know that he is real. So for me, that was the clearest picture that I had to understand what is it to abide with my heavenly father? How can I know that God's love is in me? That's a great question that we asked. John knew the same thing. How do we know? How do I know that the Spirit is living in me? How do I know that I can abide in him and he in me? He says this in verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. It is not rocket science. If we can confess with our mouth that he is our Lord, that he is our Savior, John says we can be sure that the Spirit abides in us and we in him. Confessing or declaring or praising or making allegiance to. Down in kids' ministry, we use uh, what we call gospel icons. And we use these icons each Sunday to kind of uh, uh, go from the curriculum or what we're teaching and put that right back into the gospel and bridge that gap. And so there is a gospel icon that we have that's named We Respond. And We Respond is the idea of confessing, of confession. If you want to know if the Spirit is alive in you and dwelling in you and you in Him, we must confess that Jesus is our Lord. We must respond to the good news, to the gospel, to the love of Jesus. We must respond to that. If you're here today and you struggle with the idea of, I don't know. I don't know if I have that peace that passes all understanding. I don't know if I have joy. I don't know if I have that love. 
as you, as you are alone with God, as you are alone with Christ, confess that he is your savior. Respond to his love and his calling for you. So now that John has wrapped our heads around God's, we can know that God's love is in us. The next thing is we know God's love is for us. I loved this point because it was so, uh, for me, uh, so I tend to be uh, passionate. That's what people say. Um, I tend to, to go all in on my emotions. Um, I try and hold them back, but sometimes I can't. And so for this section, I, it was so good for me to clearly understand myself and to clearly understand God. In verses 17 and 18 of chapter 4, John is letting us understand that God's love is for us. And it says in this, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love okay there's a lot to unpack here first john mentions a day of judgment of imminent judgment, an imminent, um, an imminent return of God in which all things will be judged. And there should be fear in the concept that that will happen. However, as quickly as John rolls that point out, he backs it right up with, but we may have confidence for the day of that judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. If God's love is in us, if he is abiding in us and we in him in love, then we can have confidence knowing that we don't have to be afraid of the judgment that is to come. But there's more. Let me read a passage in Ephesians 1, and it's 13 through 14. It says this, In him you, will all, you also... When you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. Here we go. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We already talked in the first part that God is in us through the Spirit. That same Spirit is a down payment a guarantee for what we're going to experience in eternity to come. Not only do you and I not have to be afraid of judgment, of that judgment day, you and I can understand we have that salvation and free of judgment now. We can live a life that is free from the chains that shackle us from sin. We can have that now. I think it's very uh, important to understand, though, a right, understand, a right understanding of ourselves and a right understanding of God. You and I tend to downplay our own sins, and we tend to upplay everybody else's sins. It's, it's just what we do. I'm not that bad. I haven't done that many things wrong. I haven't yelled at my son that much this month. But if we understand that without the love of God, we are dead in our sins. Romans 5.8, this is a crazy thing. Romans 5.8 said he didn't wait for us to get perfect. He showed it to us while we were still sinners, 
while I still mess up, while I still had no right for his love, he showed it to me. If we have a right understanding of ourselves and a right understanding of who God is, our creator, ruler, king, over all, the love that he has for us, the unconditional, overwhelming love he has for us, that it doesn't matter what we've done or will do. His love is not dependent on us. That is a freeing thing. His love is dependent on himself, and out of himself comes that love. I was reading a book recently. It's called Jesus Outside the Lines. Really good book. Um, Scott Sauls is the author. In that particular chapter, he was quoting another author, um, uh, Jake Miller. Jake Miller says this, Cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you have ever dared imagined. (laughs) I'm really happy you got this because I was ready to think, okay. But he says, and you're more loved than you ever dared hope. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Amen. I'm worse than I ever give myself credit for. I cannot do anything without the Spirit's power. If I can clearly understand that, then I can clearly understand God's love for my life because he's loved me more than I could ever dared hope. And you put those two things together, and now I get to be that, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus that move the kingdom forward. And we attack the enemy, not out of our own power, but of the love of God. That's phenomenal to think about. There's a slide that's going to come up. These are the gospel icons. That, these are all five gospel icons that we have down, uh, that we work through downstairs throughout the month. And you can see that there's, uh, we, we have a, a crown for God's the creator, ruler, king. We have a cross that says we sinned. There's now a division in that perfect relationship. God understood that. The next is that cross. God knew there was a way. He provided a way. And that way was through Jesus, which the next one is a gift because Jesus gave himself freely for you and I. He gave us what we could never do on our own. And that last one is we respond. Can we, through these icons, can we understand clearly in the gospel of who we are and can we clearly understand who God is? And I love how John brings this to a, to a focused, a laser focus that his love is for us. His love is for you and it's for me and it has nothing to do with what I've done or haven't done. What we've done or haven't done. As John starts working through this, we come to know that this love is both in us and for us. And it begins to change the way we live in the relationships around us. So we've seen that he's, it's in us. We've seen that his love is for us. And because of that, that love cannot help but move out to between us. Relational, community, the body of Jesus. If we believe that God's love is in us through the Spirit, we abide in him. And we believe God's love is for us because it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. And we have gotten salvation from judgment. Then that love can't help but permeate out from us to now we can know God's love between us. 1 John 4, verse 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother... He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God God, 
whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. The foundation of our love for one another comes from the outpouring of God's love in us. For John, to know God's love means we will love those around us. There's a quote from a pastor. His name is John Stott. He says about this verse, this word cannot expresses not so much the person's incapacity to love God as the proof that he does not love God. It is easy to deceive ourselves. The truth, however, is plain. Every claim to know God is a delusion if it is not accompanied by unselfish and practical love for our brothers and our sisters. Uh, that's tough. What are we supposed to do with it? It literally says in John, in, in verse 20, if anyone says I love God and hates his, bro his brother, he's a liar. If I say I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, but there is someone that I cannot and will not and won't show love to, what am I supposed to do with that? Okay, <laughs> I'll let you out. So here we go. I think what we're talking, I think what we're talking about I believe what we're talking about in this passage is not a, an, an, a struggle with loving someone. There may be lots of people that we struggle loving. I could name a few right now, but we don't want to get all riled up. Okay? So we struggle with loving. In that struggle, we're warring against flesh and blood and against spirituality. Okay? If I'm struggling with loving somebody, it's because I know that I need to. It's because I know I'm no better than them, yet God pursued me and loved me with everything he has. And it's not because I deserve it. So I'm struggling because I can't love this person. They, they do this and this and this and this and this. So I struggle because I know that I need to because I don't deserve it, just like they don't deserve it, and we need to show them God's love, okay? So it's not the struggle, right? It's not a mistake. It's not a, it's not a, a one-time thing or a mistake that we've made that we've, that we've shown uh, uh, you know, ill will or malice to somebody and have to go on back and apologize, again, because we have a struggle. I think what we're talking about, what the, what the passage is talking about, is, is a rhythmic, a pattern in your life, a pattern in your life of being really, it's really easy for you to just write somebody off and, and, and not acknowledge them, and not love them, and hate them. But I, before you start getting, you know, swirling around in your head, this is a time for you to reflect in your own faith, in your own relationship, in your own walk. And maybe we do have God's love living inside of us, and that's why we struggle. And so we continually have to work and press in, how can I love somebody when they're seemingly unlovable? So, Remember Tina's question? To which we, you know, and then we say it has everything to do with it. Let's read Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all, your, with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Love has 
everything to do with it. God's love has everything to do with it. It meets us in a personal space that's in us, that we can abide in him and he in us. And we can sit there and we can be present and dwell in that and dwell in the spirit as the spirit is dwelling in us. And we know that God's love is for us, that he is a fierce lion. He's coming after us. He's pursuing us and he will save us not only on judgment day, but he's saving us now. He's freeing us now. And then for us to understand that that love, it can't help but come out. If you say, if I say, let me, let me put this back on me and then we'll just say it's all of us. If I say that I'm a follower of God and that I love God and that I believe his love is in me and I believe it's for me, how do people know that I'm a disciple of Jesus? Do they know because of my, my particular vocation? I work at church, so therefore I must be a Christian. Do they think that because I, 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 I wear a, a necklace or I have a certain tattoo that has you know, a cross on it? On the flip side, would they never know? Would they know me as the complaining one, as the one who yells, as the dad who yells at his son? <laughs> would, 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 would they know, would they know I'm, the, I'm, I'm the guy who's always into the politics and sports and ESPN and all the stats? None of, ESPN's not bad. <laughs> but if they only know me as the ESPN guy, <laughs> how do they know me? Or do they know me? They know me as, as one who lives out my life with radical and sacrificial love. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. But I know that God's love is for me. I know that it's in me. And I want others to know the same thing. How do people know? How do our neighbors, our brothers and sisters know that we are a follower, a discipler of God? Remember, obedience to God is not done out of wanting more love from him. It's done because if we have a relationship with God and we love him, we want to pursue obedience in the things that he expects from us. In Christ, God's love is in us, transforming us from the inside out. It's for us, removing fear and growing us in confidence before the Lord. And it is between us, defining the impact of relationship with one another. To believe in Jesus is to know God's love. If we want to understand what love has to do with it, it has everything to do with it. God's love is in us, it's for us, and it's between us. How are you and I going to leave this room and allow that to radically change how we live out our lives. Because without application, without application, <laughs> without application of what we're hearing, what's that thing? What's that, what, what's that phrase? Like, like, like a guy goes to the mirror and, and looks to see how he is and then, and then completely walks away and forgets everything? Let's not do that. Allow the scriptures to bathe over us and cleanse us and radically change our lives. Church, we love all of you. 
We're so happy that you're here. Those of you online, we love you. We thank you for being here, worshiping with us. And all of that love is great, but it's God's love that will change your life. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.